Hello, I am Joe Rycroft. And I'm Adam Hewitt. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast, the show where we delve deep into the world of exercise, rehabilitation, and wellness. A fun, non drab approach where Adam and I will be talking about all things exercise, physiology, health, and rehabilitation, whilst debunking myths, making some complex science a lot more simple, and giving you some tips and tricks to improve your health and well being. Each week, we will host guest speakers who are experts in their field and hear from you, the listener, to answer any of your questions. Evening, Jack. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. I'm very well, thanks. How are you, Ads? I feel like I bring the energy on these intros now, and you're like, yeah, all right, mate, how you doing? Yeah, whatever. I need more. I need more from you. <laughs> Today, how are you? How's it going? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, I'm just re- recovering from a slightly wild weekend and very ready for Christmas holidays. It was so. a joint friend's ber- uh, birthday wedding, wasn't it? I say yeah, joint friend. It was. She's very much more your friend, but I do know who she is. Yeah, it was. And it was a it was a wonderful, absolutely magical weekend. Congratulations um, if you're listening out there. We the Mr. Name, and Mrs. Sadler. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Um, I actually got, I don't know if you know about this, but I actually got a... Uh, um <clears throat> a drunken message from a, a particular mr tom Lowe, and he won't mind me saying his name uh with your good self next to him hi i think we're both stone cold sober ads i might suggest they were drunken eyes but there we go <laughs> <laughs> they were like we've got to talk take a selfie for ads we've got to take a selfie for ads. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what he's a great man really good man i like him he's a, he's a very good guy yeah, he, um, says, he said he's an avid listener to this podcast as well. So, well, there you go, there you Tom. go, Tom. Thanks for the shout. Thanks for the making my Sunday morning little smile when I woke up and I saw <laughs> you guys. I was like, oh god, glad to Terrible. be of service. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who have we got today? We dive straight in. We have Callie. Callie. Callie, who is a GB runner, and for people like Tom who are avid listeners. Uh, you might have noticed I said, oh, we should veer away from running at the end of series three. Um, we haven't and we won't because that's just not what we've done. So, so we, have G, we have a GB runner um, in Cali and Cali is a marathon runner, a bloody quick marathon runner. Um, and also, well, actually just a bloody quick runner. Um, sub 15 minutes on a 5K, sub wow, 70 minutes doubt, on a half marathon and a 2.22 marathon time. So very, very excited to have her on. And uh, no further ado, we'll see you on the other side. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Exercise Right UK podcast. Today we're speaking from the UK, but speaking to someone in much warmer climes in Arizona, I believe. So welcome, Callie Thackeray, to the podcast. Callie, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and a little bit about uh, the running that that you're doing. Hi, yeah, thank you for having me, having me on. Um, yeah, so I just I was a track runner mainly. Um, I was a five thousand meter specialist, I would say. But I, but as of recently, I've moved I moved my way up to the marathon. Um, I did my debut just a few weeks ago uh, in New York, and not the not the New York marathon, but. A lower key one, a, new, a lower key race in New York, and yeah, it went really well. <laughs> I became second on the all time list in the UK, so um, yeah, I shocked myself massively there. Um, but 
at the same time I knew I knew there was something there in the marathon and I was told that for many years but yeah um to actually pull it off on my debut which is very special um say that again you're second in the all-time yeah (laughs) I mean let's Um, just take a moment and just like that's amazing well done so is that is that behind Paula Radcliffe then yeah yeah wow 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 I mean (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you. My God. There we go. <laughs> How did it feel? Yeah, that, honestly, you know, it was being it told was, second of all time. Yeah, I I I mean I I knew I was fit, but like I didn't know how like the first one would go because like I it's a marathon and you just don't know and there's so many unknowns, like you get told there's so many unknowns. I mean I've never I've never run that distance. The longest I'd ever run before that was a half marathon. Um and yeah, I just I don't know. I, I had my husband pacing me uh, for most of the most of the way, and and he was yeah. He just he's an experienced marathon runner himself. Like he's run a two twelve before, and he's he's good. So I trusted him, and he's he's also my coach. So I just put full faith in him, and he like um, we, were, we were there was a nice pack of us of um, yeah a few runners and. And yeah, we just kept the pace and we just kept moving through. And before you know it, I re- realized what kind of pace we were on for. Um, and then when I saw the time at the end, I was just, yeah, I was in shock, but it was, yeah, it was an amazing, an amazing race. And I just don't get why, why you know, I didn't do it sooner because it was so fun. Like I enjoyed it way more than I thought to say it's 26.2 miles. It's, it's actually like a fun event. And yeah, you get, you get to learn a lot about yourself in that event. <laughs> You've, we had in the past, we've had a uh, uh, husband and wife um, partnership on the podcast. And um, it was really interesting, the dynamics of having, you know, your husband as your running coach as well. Um, how does that work with having a 212 marathon runner as your husband? You're running, I think, was it two, was that, was that the 222 marathon that you completed then? Yeah. Yeah. It just, be, yeah. yeah. It really works, I think. Like, I mean, for, yeah, we're, I don't know. He, I just trust him. I know he knows what he's doing and he understands me more, more than I probably understand me. So, like, he, he knows when to pull me back, when to push me. And, yeah, it just, the dynamic just, like, works for us, I guess. Yeah. And so you move from 5K, which you've got a pretty impressive time yourself, um, and sort of moving towards now you're I guess which is going to be your mainstay the marathon in a really broad sense and this might be a quite a basic question but for listeners out there who are maybe looking to increase their distance and are maybe stuck at that 5k marker what key parameters would you say has to be put into an exercise program or training block to increase that distance and to make those distances possible and almost fun like you say mm-hmm. For me, do you know what? Like the 5K and the marathon, I know it sounds like such a big di- like change of distance. Like I know it's many more miles than it is. But in terms of the training, I wouldn't say it's like night and day difference. Like, into, like I would say it's more similar than you think, like to be a good 5K runner and a good half marathon, marathon runner. I mean, obviously like, yeah, you, the, the runs get a little bit longer. The sessions are more like more in volume. But in terms of like the whole week, like I wouldn't say like I there was a big difference. Like, but but then again, like as a 5k runner, I was never the typical. I mean, when I was training for the 5k, I probably was more 10k 
based um and then half marathon based and then before you know it, I guess I just inc- like just did the odd marathon session before my race just just more for confidence um but yeah it was a very gradual build to the marathon and I still wouldn't say I'm an official mar- like in my training if you if people were to see my training I wouldn't say like it's very marathon specific even now but I don't know everyone's different and people some people need high mileage some people don't um yeah it's just working on on those strengths and realizing like yeah what you need if we re- rewind the clock to uh kind of your school years was running something that you have done since you were tiny or did you come into it a little bit later on in life yeah I I was a typical I did a sports day loved it I I was running with the boys and I could keep up with all the guys and then the teacher came to me and was like you need to start running like you need to join a club um so I did I went back home to my mom and my mom was waiting for that day forever because she like like my mom and my dad were both runners so my my dad was a professional athlete um he ran for Nike for like 14 years um and like yeah was bronze at the world half marathon um and yeah like he was just an amazing runner and then my mum was more of a sprinter <laughs> and then I kind of like got I I'm, I was more always more middle distance um even though I've had everyone tell me all my family all my like past coaches and stuff have always looked at me and be like you're a marathon runner um but yeah so it just started from when I was 12 I didn't like take it seriously though until I moved to until I moved to the to America when uh for a athletic scholarship and that's when I really like saw my actual potential uh, and started to just enjoy it enjoy it more but like also took it more seriously then so talk us through that scholarship when you you know you, you're based in the UK at the time you received the scholarship what what does that feeling feel like knowing that you're going to be relocating but not but actually completely different culture and mm-hmm. that scholarship is there to to push you and propel you forward yeah it was a huge life life decision and it wasn't took lightly you know like it is it's a massive life decision to move across the world when you're at that age you know um but it was an amazing the best decision of my life um like the just what you get out here in the states is just second to none like the facilities the like you've got everything in your hands basically on you like on your doorstep in terms of like physios like nutritionists psychologists like anything you need basically to be the best one you can be or the best student you can be it's there I just think they go above and beyond for people who you know who do sport out here and it's just yeah an incredible experience and we're getting on you know flights every other week to go to races and yeah it's just incredible (laughs) I think it's really interesting how you talk about how you got that team to one approach with you know physios helping you nutritionists supporting you and I do think that you know I think in pockets in the UK that's there yeah Um, but what is it about America that makes that so much more accessible and second part of that question is what is the impact of having that multidisciplinary team supporting you yeah, I don't know. I think the universities, they just have more funding for it, I guess, with the programs. They they just really support it here. Um, and I just think, like, that in, if you look at the NCAAs compared to the Books Championships, which is our, like, equivalent back in the UK, it's night and day difference. Like, we might get a few hundred, if we're lucky, show up to our event. And then 
the NCAAs, it's like watching a world, like world-class event, like it's insane. And you get athletes from all over the world in the NCAA system. Um, so you're getting, yeah, they recruit people from like, you know, many internationals. So it's not just people in their country. It's like, it is world-class, like to be on, you know, competing uh, in, in national championships out here in America. What's the impact of having those yeah, professionals the, around you yeah, um, oh as God. opposed to not having a physio there easy accessible yeah, you're going to make it's life-changing honestly like it was incredible like the team dynamics as, as well like the girls the girls and the guys we had on our team were like also like there's several olympians what came out of it like it, and that just says a lot in itself like we're just yeah the environment around us in terms of like people we train with and like what we have um, access to us is just, yeah, like world-class basically. Um, I was very lucky though. Like I, I know like it depends on the university as well. Like, but I was very lucky that my, my program was very supportive. I went to the University of New Mexico and it was just, yeah, an incredible support, supportive environment with a great coach who didn't over-race us or over-train us. And yeah, it was just, just, and like incredible like it made me a better runner for it and a better person in general like my, my confidence came on no end because of that program is that multidisciplinary approach something that you've carried through into your professional career now do you have a, a team of people alongside your coach and or husband there as well yeah I definitely have and I, I'm a team player like even though it's an individual sport I very much like do take on that team aspect and that team team role in life like I'm very much like I love having people around me and um I just think it's so important and you know it does take a team um and yeah so after that I actually went to I went back um home for a year like I actually well I stayed on for one more year um and then I then went home for a year, did the whole full-time job thing and tried that. I got served a purpose, got a house. And then I was like, okay, now what? So then I moved to Australia and got a similar team set up for three years in Australia. And it was very like New Mexico. I had, I mean, I was training with girls and guys. I think I was one of the very few non-Olympians on that team. There was like, like the best Australians out there and, and then some internationals on the team as well. There's like many of us, um, I mean, we're all based in Melbourne. It's called the Melbourne Track Club. And it was just, yeah, an, yeah, an, a crazy great environment. Um, and they honestly brought the best out of me as well. Uh, I, again, I just thrive in a team environment. Um, and that brought me on. And that's when I had another breakthrough in my, in my, in my running career. Yeah, and then I went back again, back to England. I'm here now and like, I found I set up and I, I go between America and England and there's all luckily like where where I am there's always people to like jump in sessions with in here in Flagstaff and then back at home as well um I there's guys I can train with and then there's also I, I I'm really close with a girl called Samantha Harrison and we we train together quite a lot regularly in the UK as well we might have Sam on later today <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> we might I don't know I don't want to do any spoilers or anything, but uh we might well have a, a star-studded lineup um I'm actually I'm actually really really interested I've been frantically trying to look for the book that's popped into my head when you're talking about that world-class culture I'd love to deep dive into that because mm -hmm. it's going to annoy me and I'll remember probably at the outro 
but there is a book that references and i think it's table tennis i'm guessing slightly about and it's effectively how how does a world-class environment create for that world-class performance and the 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 story in the book was that this club basically just had world-class tennis the table tennis players and they just kind of churned out these amazing tennis players uh, table tennis players and it was the environment that sort of coaxed it into that you touched upon that <clears throat> in your experience with you know in when you in new mexico in america um but to what impact do you think that's giving you that that edge to be you know a genuine world-class athlete and do you think that it's essential or do you think that you can do it without that mm -hmm. no it's a good point and like like everyone says isn't it the saying goes like you are some of the people you surround yourself with um and i just surrounded myself with the best of the best and um if you can't beat him join him that's what i say as well and like you know and it's these people what have inspired me and brought out the best in me along the way in this journey um so i've definitely not just done it on my own um don't get me wrong like in the recent year or so i have done a lot of solo sessions um and i'm fine with that and i'm okay with that but you know like it's took like different teams of people to get me to this point now um and i do think it's complete it's very important um in yeah i think there's a lot to it there's so many factors and it's you know the people behind the scenes the people around you your family your friends it's your support system what ultimately bring out the best in you 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 mentioned uh, multiple times olympians um so i i can't wait <laughs> any longer to ask whether have you got your sights set on paris definitely <laughs> yeah paris has my name written all over it i've got to be there um yeah i'm just so excited um because like yeah, training is going well. Um, you know, my debut marathon was that that was just, you know, getting my feet wet in the distance and I've still got another one to go and I'm looking forward to see what else I can do in the distance. Um, but yeah, half marathon coming up first and then a marathon in February. Um, and then hopefully, yeah, I get locked in and like make sure I'm on that plane to Paris. Amazing. We'll have to uh, keep keep a close eye on on the, the races coming up and then uh fingers crossed for selection because you must well you'll have you'll have knocked the qualifying time out of the water with your debut marathon so um all looking good so far is there a, a lot of competition for kind of gb female places in the marathon at the moment or is or does it change you know a lot through through the years and through you know each year itself yeah i think the marathon's just got so competitive recently hasn't it it's just got several girls what i've like ran like way under the Olympic qualifying time um which says a lot at the minute with how distance running is going in the UK which is an amazing it's like definitely you know aids in the way like you know it may it just improves you it makes you want to go faster it's inspiring to see you know so many girls in the UK and guys run so fast at the minute what do you think what do you think is the catalyst there I think when it's an Olympic year as well, that definitely <laughs> spurs you on a bit. <laughs> um, I just think, yeah, we've all just really like rise to the occasion for it. Um, yeah, I think it's inspiring. We all want to be there. We all want to, you know, it's every four years. Um, I don't know, but um, maybe that's part of it. But yeah, no, it's a good thing though, for sure. And what's your, 
what's your training block at the moment? So if you've got Paris in your sights, that is, where are we? Call it eight months away here. Um, what's your training block currently? I know you've got your marathon coming up in February and a half. Or was it the other way I can't remember. Yeah. But um, where, yeah, what does it look like at the moment? Yeah. And also, how does it incorporate the S&C side and the weights and the resistance side of things? Yeah, so we're, we're just trying trying to do all the one, 1%s, what aren't 1% at the minute as well. Because like the winter training is like, you know, we call it like base training typically. Um, it's just not doing anything too fancy, nothing too crazy. Um, yeah, it's, you don't want to get greedy at this time of year. You just want to keep a good like base level training and just make sure you're doing it, all the little things right. Um, so... Yeah, it's just so I'm like ultimately I'm on a training camp still. Um, I'll be in and I'll be dipping in and out for the next few weeks. I've got a few. I've got an event soon in in England. Um, got my first red carpet event. So that's exciting. <laughs> What's and, that about? <laughs> um, Sam will be there too, so I'll definitely bring this up later. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's called the BBC Sports Personality Awards. Yeah, so. I'm so excited. It's a to... huge event to go to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm honestly like my first red carpet event, and it's not very, it's not very, you know, often that athletes get to do anything fun and glamorous in the sport. So I couldn't say no to it. I'm in America, but I was like, do you know what? I am getting that flight back. Whether I'm going back for six, for a few days, I think I'm going back for like six days, and then I'm coming back again. But it's going to be worth it. And you only live once. You got to do these things. So. You know, we train so hard as athletes and it's it's good to have that balance and just have fun with it along the way as well. And so your debuts and your firsts are, are pretty big ones, aren't they? Just going to check it out that? there. Your first, your first things you do, so your first marathon, just casually do the second fastest ever GB time. Your first ever red carpet, it just so happens to be the BBC Sports <laughs> Most Out of the Year. <laughs> what What is, what's the next first for you then what's coming up in the diary of Cali? first this year like it was like my debut marathon and then a, two weeks later a few weeks later we, we got married and then, there was like so many announcements just come in and I was just like <laughs> like it's been a big big end to the year yeah I don't know but and then I and then we just um started our business so I just started a coaching business as well me and my husband and we're just loving it and it all adds to it you know like you've got to you got to give back as well, I think. And it's just, it definitely like, yeah, I'm loving it. This is, it's been a great year. <laughs> well, let's, let's put, I mean, we weren't intending to, but absolutely why not? Let's put, let's pitch this business and get people to listen to it. What What is it? And uh, what's the aim of the business? What's the direction? How do people find it? Yeah, thank you. Um, it's called Two Worlds Collide. Um, I thought long and hard about this name um and obviously like mine and Nick's story my husband and well and my coach <laughs> um it's a, it's a nice one and you know like he's American I'm British and we're kind of like bringing the American and the British ways together in coaching because coaching is very different in Britain and the, uh, in the UK and the US I feel like it's well slightly different the way the the way they approach it and we're just bringing the two together and yeah I just think it works and I like two worlds collide because it does and I, this crazy running journey it's brought bringing so many people together worldwide and that's what I love about running the most honestly those two worlds you said the worlds are very different in American and your, your coaching yeah. styles I guess what, what are the best things let's not talk about the worst things but what are the best things from each world and how are you going to create that as a one business coaching 
um I think in America it's very more hands-on um like it's very different like it's Nick I'm gonna let you answer this yeah no Nick's Nick, very the coach? Nick jump in come on we, we, we've, we've never done a two two-way and uh, a, a, a husband and wife episode so you're more than welcome this is great Hi, Nick. He, he's coaching me to 222 so he can answer this one we're we in go. awe we're in absolute awe the uh, candidates for the sports person here so the question so, is how how do you think the american and the uk coaching system is different what would you say i was saying it's more like hands-on in the states yeah like coaching the coaching how they yeah it's it's more it's more hands-on there's a lot more dictated i think um you know i went from but that's interesting <clears throat> I went from college, you know, University of Portland, where it's a great program, and I got to dictate exactly how much mileage I was running. The only thing that was assigned to me was two workouts a week. Um, oh, really? Wow. Okay. You know, and if I wanted that guidance, like, how do I run 100 miles in a week? Uh, you know, the coach would give me that. But really, it was up to me and the athletes to decide, oh, yeah, I'm running this much on this day, this day, this day. You know, here's my long run distance. Um, you know, so it's a little bit of trial and error you know, from my instance there. But as I got to the professional scene, it's like every day was dictated. You know, I'm like, I don't have an option. I'm running eight miles in the morning and four miles in the evening, every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's a little bit different there where, you know, then I see, I start to see Callie's training, you know, a year ago. And it's like, yeah, I kind of feel like running an hour today. <laughs> That'll be fine. And yeah, then, more autonomy, and, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the autonomy is there. Um, I think the intensities tend to be a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I've gotten to know a lot of like European athletes and, and, you know, one of my good friends from Belgium, he's just an immense uh, marathoner, you know, just getting under the world or, you know, the Olympic standard recently. And, and his intensities and workouts are just so much different than what an American is. Looking and in, like. in what way different? Yeah. I mean, in the volume of running they're doing or, the percentage you know, of resistance work workout. they're doing. Yeah. More intensity of the workouts. Um, yeah. and then that pacing, you know, he, his recent block, like he just really operated in a very aerobic zone for his marathon. Um, where he, yeah, of course he's at altitude. He's at 7,000 feet in Flagstaff doing a little training stint, but he's running largely 520 pace, you know, 530 pace for a lot of extended work, really like kind of that fat oxidation zone, which is very important for the marathon. Um, but then he goes and runs 452 a mile, you know, for 26.2. And that's just an immense swing, I think. Um, and I think there's a lot that goes into that between his own physiology and, you know, what makes him tick and just being kind of like a really great 5K, 10K runner at the basis. Um, and then it just transitions over really, really well. You know, so those are some of the differences I notice. Um, and, you know, just trying to blend two different training modalities is, is important. I think there's, there's, you can get so many different ways in the States to get to a marathon block. Like it's going to look so different for, you know, those top three women on, you know, on the U S side. Um, they all have different coaches. They all have different training philosophies that work for them. Is that like a ton of mileage and, and just really grinding away at that aerobic zone or is that working kind of in a 10k half marathon zone for a lot of that and using the long run to get you there in terms of that aerobic side coming together in those is is so different it's almost you know they call america a melting pot in mm -hmm. so many ways from a cultural standpoint and i think it really comes together as well um in kind of a melting pot fashion at 
you know, the training side of things as well. You just see so many different things. And, um, you know, I'm still deciphering what those differences kind of look like. And as I get my feet wet more and more with it, it's, um, you know, it's just finding what I think works for the athlete itself. And it doesn't have to be one size fits all. Um, and that, that leads to great success long-term. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I think that <clears throat> certainly what we found when we're talking with such athletes that are running incredible times in, in marathons and long distances is that there is always a different way of doing it. And it's, it's, a, it's generally up to that person's physiology. And you've summed it up perfectly there that, you know, you might find that someone's running a 5.30, but then they're able to do an incredibly much, a much quicker time over a much, much longer distance in, from their training block. Um, we also found that the, I guess, the want and the, the need and the requirement to do some really key like corrective exercise movements, but also weight resistance work and impound, in, impact training and running economy, biomechanics training. It's always these different concentrations of, of what what's going to work for that person. Um, on that note, how do you decipher what is best as a coach and also as the runner, Caddy, how do you work together as a team, as a as, you know, husband and wife team, to communicate that to each other to say, this is how my body's feeling, and as the coach saying, but this is what I think your body needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of it is like intuition and knowing, knowing it. Like you, you come to know the sport well, uh, and yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like as an athlete as well, you want you always want to do that bit more. You always want to be the best. And there's always like a line and it's knowing that line. And yeah, Nick is very good at knowing that line more than I am. Like, I'm, I will push, push, push until, you know, like as much as I can. And sometimes it's not, it's not about that. More is not always more. And it's no, it's figuring that out. Ultimately, we know what works for us and it's just, figuring out that regime and that plan over time. And like, I feel like it takes a while. It just takes some trial and error, but I feel like I've got to a good place with it now. And I know like what works and what doesn't work. Um, Yeah. I think it's really interesting when you talk about how it differs from individual to individual. Cause I know um, one of my good friends who doesn't run a marathon as fast as you, but has hit sub 240. And uh, she said her one training block she did a marathon set a, a put a time out there second training block. I think she knocked something like thirty five miles off a weekly average, and then she actually became faster. And it was so it's kind of that she was experimenting with such high volume um, right. compared to a slightly lower volume, and and obviously there's loads and loads of different variables at play. But um, yeah. I guess for some people, those hundred plus mile weeks work, and for others they don't work um, so well. Yeah, really- but- yeah, and it really is deciphering that and knowing what kind of athlete you are because we are all so different. It's never is a one-size-fits-all and it's figuring out, you know, like, oh, the, oh the, you don't know straight away either. Like, we take an athlete on board and then it's like, okay, now we need to figure out this person. We need to know more than just, you know, their their typical training regime. We need to know the athlete, um, other factors outside of, you know, like, what do they do, like, for work? Like, what's take it, like, what's setting them back at the minute? What can we do? Like, there's so many things we need to play around with. And, you know, like, we're all we're all unique in our own way. And it's just figuring out um, a training plan, like, what's, you know, right, right for that person. Like, say, whether it's high mileage, whether it's, um, 
you know, high intense stuff, it's whether they can like, um, yeah, ultimately like be able to like, take on that kind of training because everyone's different. Yeah, I think Adam, you mentioned it a little bit earlier on, but in terms of strength and conditioning and kind of gym routine, how important is that in your um, current training schedule? Yeah, I think for the marathon, honestly, like everyone's different again, but like for the marathon, I don't think it's like everything. Um, but I do think in terms of like um, saying goodbye to injuries and things like that, making sure the injuries stay um, stay away. I just do think you need a good uh, like mobility work. You need to be doing the, all the little things like your, your drills and your strides and keeping, you know, like strength and conditioning. I think bits here and there do help as, um, as long as you know, like, yeah, I guess how much and um, because it, it can also take away from it as well. So especially for me, for the kind of athlete I am, um, I I don't necessarily need a whole, whole lot, like I found. Um, so like the last few weeks and months, I'll be honest, I've done not that, not a whole lot of strength and conditioning work. Um, but like I said, I am definitely working on those 1%. And I have been seeing physios and seeing like, ex like what exercises I need to be doing to better uh, improve my running form and my efficiency and all of these things. Um, and they're quite subtle. They're quite subtle exercises. And when he told me them, I'm like, oh, is that all I need to, need to do to be like a better runner and he was like yeah just keep doing that little and often little and often little and often um we'll get big results in terms of my running efficiency i'm really interested to talk about you mentioned about the prevention of injury as well um what key factors do you put into place because the marathon training alone let alone running at that pace um and that level the injury risk is obviously going to be high um how do you manage that risk and, and what sort of preventive measures do you put in place in your day-to-day? -day? Yeah, like I say, you're always ride, riding that line with how much, because of the, the amount we train and the pounding we put on our bodies day in, day out. Um, but yeah, like there's so many things, um, I guess. Like it's just it's just knowing when to like, when to push and when to not push as well. Um, and I like when I get a niggle and stuff, I'm I'm very good. I'm very on it. Like I, I will like ease back or same with illnesses as well. Like you need to, it's knowing like just when to take a day off and when to just be like, is it worth doing a run today if I'm not hundred percent? Cause like you can easily get yourself in a hole, whether it's injury or illness, if you try and push through, it's just really like being intuitive and knowing your body, um, I think is the main, the main rule of thumb there. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, you know, to kind of sum up like some of the, you know, questions around a lot of this stuff, I think it's, are we making things hard just to make it hard or does it have a purpose? You That's know, point. Um, I think we can, you can assign a perfect week and it, it, but maximizing everything on every, like from a zone perspective um, to the weightlifting and that sort of thing. But like, is it, is it, like right dosage for that athlete and do they respond really well to that? Um, and there's so many variables going on all the time. We have to kind of manage the subtleties of those variables at the right times. And really it's like, there's no, we've gone back to like no one size fits all knowing the athlete, knowing how they tick and that sort of thing. So really it's, I, I think it comes down to a lot of trial and error and finding exactly that dosage that works and, and, you got to spread it out because 
you know, one block doesn't make or break your entire career. It, it can add to it. Um, but let's move those percentage points slowly over time because then it just compounds, right? It's, it's not one workout. It's not one week. It's not one month. It, it really is encapsulation of, of everything. And we really saw that with Cali. And there was no couple weeks of workouts that really made that 222. It was a lifetime of work. It was a love for just saying like, I, I enjoy going 20 miles on Sundays, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. I felt good on most days after the workout. So I went a little bit longer. Um, just enough maintenance work keeps me feeling fresh and snappy. It's, it's that small dosage. And then we kind of say, let's focus on one small variable and, and see how that responds. Um, it can only, if it's small and subtle and we understand, you know, the physiology side of things mixed with how she operates, you know, psychologically on top of that, then you're going to see that, that result down the line. Um, and I think it has to be subtle, can't be these giant swings. And I guess moving on to more of a kit and equipment based question. Um, I'm sure you've been asked this numerous times before, but one of the still big topics in, in running, especially is trainers um and the different types of trainers the kind of evolution of carbon plated shoes what's your take on that and uh how have that how has, has that kind of changed things for you is it really exciting kind of seeing these developments or do you just kind of roll with it I'll be honest I kind of wish we didn't have all of that stuff <laughs> I know it's probably the answer you don't want but like I am the most simple kind of runner like I'm very flat-footed I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong, they are night and day difference and it's crazy, but I just want, I just enjoy running for running. Like I just enjoy, it's such a simple sport. You don't need any equipment. You, do, you just need your running trainers. And the fact that like now, yeah, it does matter what trainers you wear to be like a, the best marathon runner or the best, you know, the best runner in your distance. I just think that kind of like takes away from it a little bit of like what running actually is. Um, but at the same time, don't get me wrong, I do love my vapor flies. <laughs> and like, they are great. And like, let's be honest, like I do recover way faster and everything like, you know, like it's, you know, I can do, I did my 222 marathon and was actually fine the next day. Like it's crazy. And I don't think if I didn't, I think if I didn't have my vapor flies on, and I had like, you know, the, the original, the original shoe, like I might, without the carbon plate, I probably wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have felt like that. And I would, and I probably wouldn't have ran 222. So yeah, it's, I guess in that sense, it's, they are nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, if it was my way, I think I would honestly just keep it like, keep it simple. Like, like I don't, do we need these like plates? What do you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? I was actually going to say, I'm. it's so refreshing to hear that response from you because you, I, I agree with you completely in that, <clears throat> yes, great to have it, but it's become the topic of conversation now over and above actually the performance of the athlete. And it's almost going, well, you know, you only run that because you've got those, this bit of equipment on. You've only run that because you've got this shoe wear on and I'm, I'm like well actually that's that's complete rubbish because that's a supporting mechanism that's going to like you said support your recovery and it's going to make you it's going to support your particular cadence and your particular running style and your particular running economy mm. it's technology in that side of it so if it's supporting good performance and it's aiding your recovery process i'm all for it i think that 
I love your response in that it it's become kind of like the centerpiece of things sometimes. Um, but it is also exciting. You know, it's also very exciting from, I love biomechanics. I love talking about how those 1% changes can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've been, you know, I'm showing my age here, but I've been part of a an era that's never really considered shoes before. Mm. They did a bit, but it wasn't really like the, the big thing. It was just like, it was just there and it was nice to have a good pair of running shoes on. And now it's, I guess the exciting bit from our standpoint is, where's that going to go? Where's it going to take us? And is it going to become almost like the differentiator between athletes? Um, you liken it to Formula One, you know, Formula mm. One, you have some fantastic drivers. They're probably all within about 2% of each other in ability wise, mm -hmm. but the cars are so different. Um, right. I guess in that perspective, is it going to become a case where certain athletes have to wear a certain shoe and certain athletes don't wear a certain shoe? I don't know, but um, it's a fascinating point. I think my main take home and Joe, you can take on your view as well after this is as long as it doesn't, deter from the athlete and the athlete performance i think that's important because you know how hard the training you're doing is you know how hard it is to do that volume of training to dedicate dedicate your life to do this and it's not defined by what you're wearing on your feet right yeah no i think i'm i'm just very intrigued by it all you know i run but most of the time i run up fells and on on the off-road where a carbon plate can't help you an awful lot so it's uh you know I would I get a pair if I started trying to bash out a few more 10ks possibly but um no I think if anything I'd probably feel for you guys at the top end but from the equipment side of things because you run because I'm sure because you you love running and whatever's on your feet at the time um you'd still run whether it was something that had all of that this technology or something that didn't so um but yeah very very intrigued to see kind of where that goes like it is with any, any sport um things are always always progressing on right um, and like all brands are catching up as well so like i don't think now like they they say like all oh, this brand this shoe adidas one and then the nike one or the under armor one i feel like they're all so similar in terms of they've all got the carbon plate they're all you know they're all catching up like in terms of i don't but it is like a same level playing field. Like, I don't think it's the same level playing field. Like if one person's, you know, several people have got the, uh, if several people have got the carbon plate, but then others haven't, you know, because they might not be able to afford like a 200 pound, 300 pound shoe, you know, like they're expensive. And it's it's kind of, yeah, that's the unfair part to it. Like it's, it's you know, it's not same level playing field if you haven't, if you've got that, got that um, carbon plate anymore, I don't think. And... I wanted to sort of draw to a couple of final questions about community because we we were very kindly introduced and recommended to reach out to you via a, a friend and family part of the Exercise Right UK um, and it's Olivia Sims and she said you've got to go you've got to reach out to Cali should be great but what is it how does that community support you and what does the community mean in that running world? Oh, the community is everything. Yeah, it's why I run. Like, it's like the main factor of why I run, like the people you meet along the way. It's just incredible. Like, and runners just, 
I don't know we're a different breed I think <laughs> we're just I don't know it's and it is a community like every race you go to it's still like a community it's a whole thing it's not just the race itself it's the before the race you know that and then the pre-meet you do like you get to you you know the things and then after the race the celebrations or or like being there for people who haven't done well and like all the emotions what come into it and yeah Olivia Sims is like um yeah it's funny you bring her up she's just an amazing person in the sport as well and um she had me to a house uh, not too long ago in Wales and it was just the most amazing experience and she she just brought like hospitality like you no know, other her and her family <laughs> and, and it was just incredible like things like that like and that was just because I, I did this random race in Wales um I mean it was an incredible race it was a, a big 10k race in Wales and and yeah, she was like, just come over. Like, um, I ended up staying the night and, and meal and meal with all of her family. And I mean, like her uncles and nieces, everyone. <laughs> and that was just, you know, a race I entered in Wales and she just, you know, put me up. And I just think the hospitality in the sport is like no other. We all support each other in a different kind of way. Um, and that to me just, yeah, it's just the best thing what comes from it. Like at the end of the day, the running won't last forever, but like, you know, we'll, we'll always have these, they, hopefully these people will and it is just and it's amazing just watching each other's journeys because every journey is just so different that's that's I think that's lovely and a, a great great way to kind of summarize uh, what running means alongside the kind of here and now but yeah running won't last forever but the community will I like that yeah. a lot so to round up um we have a little tradition on this podcast which um involves music so a question for both of you um you have to have two different answers or do we do one answer Can oh i don't know you, might, or you can you can you can you can kind of agree on an answer if you're not but um obviously <laughs> out at the moment it, it, judging by your clothing you're in sunnier climes than what we've got in the uk but it's a cold wet dark morning and you've got to get your trainers on but what song's gonna kind of get you psyched for a session and get you out the door oh god oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, recently we were bumping Christmas music. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what song do we like? What were you singing just this morning? What was I singing? You know what you're singing. No, I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I love That's this. That's a great answer. <laughs> You can oh, sing it if it's easier. Go we, we've, we've had people sing on the podcast before. <laughs> what are we singing? I'm sorry. Sure. What's it called? It's just I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh yeah, good. That's a good song. I like it a lot. <laughs> and yeah, Nick, what be what be yours then? Have you got a similar song, or is it what's gonna what's gonna motivate you to get out that door to run in a cold, dark, and rainy yeah. morning? Um, I, I you'd probably agree on this one though too. Like, just something that fires you up, like. Yeah. As, as cliche as it may be, some some Eminem. He's just getting yeah. after it, like, you know. So. I do love Eminem. Yeah, he's a crowd he, favorite. Yeah, say, yeah. Say it with your chest, you know. Just just own it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, thank you so much. I think it's and it's also been just lovely having both of you on. Um, a really welcome <laughs> surprise. It's been great. <laughs> That was unintentional, but you know, it no, has. Jesus, not it at all. Don't worry about it. It's great. Like who I am and like why I did the race I did. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but also, you know, from our perspective, we're talking about the expertise of exercise, and we've got 
a team here that coach and Wellcarth athlete. We're lucky to have it. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. No, it's been great. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, <laughs> all the best for, for the next few months. And uh, we hope to see you on that Paris start line. Keep going. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> what great we insight. Two for one. Two for Double one. Double our money there. Yeah, yeah I, love, I love it how things like that happen. You know, you don't plan and then bang. That's what I love about podcasting. Yeah. And what a lovely couple they were as well. Yeah. And it almost really gave us... each other. They do. And it almost gave us kind of insight into that team relationship that Heather discussed yeah. on previous episodes. We got... Exactly. It kind of, yeah, gave us another little insight. Um, I mean, I'm just an incredibly nosy person, but that's what's great about doing these podcasts. You find out so much about so many people. <laughs> no, I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And I mean, 2.22... That's so fast. The second fastest female, British female of all time. So Second fast. only to Paula Radcliffe. And Which is mad. so humble. Oh, so yeah. So humble about it. There was no, it was just a case of going, you know, I'm lucky to be doing it. There was nothing, you know, no. and we love a little podcast, don't we? But let's face it. <laughs> we love a little podcast. <laughs> we're privileged to have her. And it's just, I just was delighted. And, and I think a super listen I'm really delighted about yeah so I think everyone's gonna enjoy that one so, and well let us know what you think guys let us know what you think send us some feedback see you on the other side see you on the other side be the first to hear about our new episodes and find more information by following Exercise Right UK on Instagram Facebook and Twitter